Wake up, wake up, wake up, 49ers fans. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us here on Wake Up. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, and what do you know? Here's something no one's ever said before, Larry. 49ers-Lions in the NFC title game. How about that? Wow. Um, I really thought we would see this uh, when I saw the matchups, and here it is. Detroit's not an accident. They got seven awesome players. I mean, truly awesome. Four on on offense, three on defense. Panesul at right tackle, Frank Ragnow, Sam Laporta, Amon Ra, Jameer Gibbs. I should say five on offense, three on defense. And then Aiden Hutchinson, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Brian Branch. Those eight players are as good almost as any players at their respective positions in the league. They are here because largely because of the incredible play of those eight players. And how about the fact that Frank Ragnow probably spent more time getting coverage than any center in a divisional round has ever received because of the injury and him sticking it out and gutting it out and really opening up some big holes and big moments for the Lions as they edge out and win in gritty fashion. You had a couple of nail biters to go along with the nail biter that the 49ers served up on Saturday night. It was only the Ravens who can say, but for a half, they had a pretty easy route to host the, the championship game over in their conference. But a couple of really good games on Sunday, Larry, and we have four very good football teams. Whoever wins the Super Bowl this year will have absolutely earned it. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're going to be a tough out because of Mahomes. Ravens are a very complete football team. Um, you know, the the Lions, I think, are are absolutely the toughest, hardest-hitting team in the league. And the Niners are right there with them. So 49ers of the four, to be honest, looked the worst in this divisional round. Um, how much of that was Green Bay? How much of that was the Niners? We can discuss that this morning. But 49ers have to get it rolling and get it rolling fast and make some really tough decisions. I watched that film. I watched, I watched the whole breakdown of, of Niners-Packers a couple times now. And um, there are some guys who you know didn't play well and um, and need, may need to be – Niners may need to tinker with their lineup a little bit, and then we don't know the status of Debo. Uh, the Niners consider him 50-50 for this game against the Lions. All I'll say is all of the 49er uh, offensive players, Debo included, don't play in this one if you're not ready to get hit because the Lions are going to hit you. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm telling you right now without knowing anything about it, Debo's playing. If you're 50-50 today, that means you'd be a game-time decision today, and the decision to play in the championship game is no decision at all. You go. So I'm I'm expecting Debo to play. I have watched the 49ers-Packers game again, and I'll tell you, the amount of blame of underperformance can be spread all over the field, including the Green Bay Packers, Larry. The Packers were good at times. They were really good at times. So, you know, give some credit to the opponent, but there were underperformances all across the 49ers on every front, on every level, and all the talent that has, you know, absolutely paid off huge. 
uh, paid off big with a win, obviously, but didn't do the things that we expect it to do. I think that the weather was a factor in that. Brock Purdy's underperformance was a factor in that. Shanahan gagging away a moment or two was a factor in that. And having said all of that, as critical of of a lens as you want to put on that game, and we went through it with a fine-tooth comb on a special Sunday edition of Wake Up, which we did right after the 49ers-Packers went to bed on Saturday night. You and I were back at it and on Sunday morning. It's great to have everyone here this Monday morning. Thanks for starting your week with us. Um, Boy, you take away those Ambry Thomas PIs, Larry and you take away that special teams return, and that game just feels so much differently. It feels so much differently. The 49ers' defense didn't have as bad of a day as it felt as it was having it. It really didn't. No, there, I agree. I agree. There, 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 yeah, there, there were breakdowns. And yes. Logan Ryan, for example, I thought was horrible against the run. And if Jair Brown's able to go going forward, I think they got to make that switch, man. You you can't have a safety who's just kind of out there, you know, in the vicinity of of the running back. You need a safety that's going to come down and strike the running back. And um, I don't think Logan Ryan is is that guy. And look, it, it, they need to tackle better. This is a concern that we thought with the rest would have been alleviated with Eric Armstead being back out on the field. It was going to provide some relief there. It really didn't. And I do think that, you know, there's probably not a lot of hard coaching in between a divisional win and the title game. It's all prep and kind of walk through and getting ready. But if the 49ers want to have a full practice on Wednesday and work on tackling, I'm cool with that. And they should be cool with that too. They need it. They really do. And um, I know for a fact, if tackling were a problem in Detroit, Dan Campbell would have a live practice this week. And Larry, I think that's where I want to start this conversation about this matchup, because I think, by the way, not to interrupt you, but nine missed tackles for okay. the Niners against Green Bay nine. Yeah. That feels like about eight too many. You know, yeah. it really does. Yeah. Um, Dan Campbell and Kyle Shanahan are completely different human beings like down to their core and how they eat breakfast. They're different. I really believe that they go about things in totally different ways. And in this season of football, they're sitting in a game, which means they've delivered certainly comparable results, both teams, 12 and five. Uh, It shows you that there's more one way to skin a cat. I think Kyle absolutely relishes his, you know, professorial sort of approach to the game of football as much as Dan Campbell relishes his, I'm a former player who is now a coach and he embraces, and I mean this in the best possible way, he embraces all the personality traits of being a meathead. And it absolutely is a, a source of energy that his own team feeds off of. You and I had a lot of fun with this. doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. That is who he is. I mean, I I really mean it. That should go on Dan Campbell's tombstone one day because it explains who he is. He's a guy who doesn't talk like a trained media professional because he's not dealing with trained media professionals unless he's in the actual press conference and they eat up everything he says anyways. This is a guy who really knows how to talk to his players and identify with them because he was a former player. Now, Kyle does it in a much different way. Um, just as effective, if if not already proven more effective. 
Kyle lets everyone know not just how to do it, but why it's being done. He is more of a teacher, where Dan Campbell is more of a gym teacher. But they both have worlds to live and succeed in and thrive in in the NFL. It shows you that there are different ways to go about finding success in this league. It's an incredible difference of head coaches who are both now going after the same thing. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Dan Campbell... You know, I think a lot of us thought, oh, man. I mean, uh, Dan Campbell played for the, my, the team that I root for in college football, Texas A&M. And he's a, he is a tough guy. He's a tough guy. But you know what I love about him? He's real. And when you read the one thing you have to be, and so is Kyle Shanahan, by the way, as far as he doesn't have the, the ridiculous toughness of Dan Campbell, but he's real. Why, does, why do guys run through a wall for Kyle Shanahan? Because he's he 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 you know he shoots you straight. He might you may not like to hear it, Jimmy Ward, but he shoots you straight. He tells you what's up, and if if that means he's got to be harsh, then he's harsh. Uh, but Dan Campbell is 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 a, a an incredible leader. He has done what so many have talked about doing, which is we're going to change a culture. He went into Detroit. We know the culture of Detroit football. They're losers, and they've always been losers. I mean, not always, but for our, all of our lifetime, um, and that's a long time. You know, we're talking about 50 years of losing. So um, they're losers, and he's made them winners, and his guys play. Now, are they the most talented team? They got, As I said, they've got eight great players, but they also have some weaknesses, and um, they can be beat. But he's captivating in front of a group of people. Here he is yesterday. Listen to this. In the game, in play. You guys, you guys are unbelievable, man. I, I'm telling you, we talked about it all, all year. This started a long time ago. You're built for this. You were built for this, man. And look what you guys did. You went out there and the what? It's another hot team that we knocked off. It's the next hot team that you knock off. Do you know how hard it is to win in this league in the playoffs? Do you understand what you're doing right now? What we're capable of? That's two. All right? That's two. We got two to go. With a pie in the middle. With a pie in the middle. I'm so there you go. I mean, a little bit, a little taste of Dan Campbell there. Um, the guy is real. He's a straight shooter. He's got a really, Brad Holmes is an outstanding young general manager. They're hitting in the draft. Uh, they've hit, you know, albeit they've, they've gotten some really high picks because of, of how bad they've been. Right. You, you know, that the Niners got Nick Bosa. Well, they got Aiden Hutchinson, you know? So, I mean, um, they're fast, they're physical, they're really tough to stop on offense, they're hard-hitting on defense, and bring it on, man, bring it on. It's going to be, this is going to be a battle royale. It Once again, if you're one of these Niner offensive weapons, Kittle, Kittle's going to get hit, you know. Um, Debo, I don't know how that shoulder's going to be. Niners need him bad. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's going to hit him. So they're, the Niners have advantages in this game and we'll get to them, but the, you know, do not show up for this game thinking that this is going to be 
you know, I think Green Bay could have been better in certain areas than Detroit, but Detroit's harder hitting for sure. And it's going to be incredibly physical. And and here's the other one, too. The Niner D-line, who didn't sack the quarterback last week. Um, granted, Green Bay was number two pass block win rate. Uh, Detroit's 14th. But Detroit will run. Their run blocking O-line is dominating. And the 49er D-line better eat their Wheaties this week because the 49er D-line um, is going to have a hard time winning this game. They got three great, really good offensive linemen. Dan Campbell is coming to Santa Clara to run the ball down the 49ers' throat. Make no mistakes about it. Yeah. That's the game plan. It's it's more of that's the game plan than when Larry and I were talking about, hey, when the Packers get to town, uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan should really figure out a way to get 40, 45 carries out of all that stable of talent in his backfield and blah, 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 blah. And that was a way to go about it, and they didn't really go about it that way, and they still got it done. The Lions aren't getting this done without running the ball down the 49ers' throat. Dan Campbell knows that. And so that's what they're coming to do. Mark my words, mark Larry's words. That's exactly what this team's coming to do. And again, in the postseason, an awful lot rides on the play of your quarterback. And Niners fans went through that almost to the negative in the divisional round because it was not a great day for Brock Purdy. Maybe wasn't even as bad as some of us thought it was the first time we looked at it. And we'll go back through that game in a minute. But the number one way to beat the Detroit Lions is in the air. They do not do well against an aggressive downfield passing attack. And when it comes to getting beat by downfield passes, the 49ers have given up some big plays downfield in the air, chunk plays. The, 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 the Lions really don't attack. Like they keep Jared Goff in a box that he's successful in. You know, you still want to attach the game manager to him. Um, he shouldn't be offended by it. And he's had great success with it. Jared Goff is 60 minutes away from appearing in his second Super Bowl on another team. And they're still going to call him a system quarterback, Larry. But he takes what is given to him. He's a smart quarterback. Jared Goff, is he makes the right choices. And in that regard, there's an awful lot of similarity between he and Brock Purdy. He doesn't put the ball at risk. This is something he might have done a little bit too much when he was with Los Angeles. It's changed. And I don't know if Dan Campbell's responsible for that change or the robust running attack or more talent around him or the protection that he gets. But this is a better Jared Goff than we absolutely remember. Um, you know, going and, back. And they don't, you know, on Goff, by the way, um, <clears throat> 67% in the regular season, 30 touchdowns, 12 picks, passer rating of 979 he was good against the Bucs yesterday, 287, two touchdowns. But the defining characteristic of, of Detroit, they don't throw deep a lot. They throw deep just 7% of the time. It's the lowest rate in the entire NFL. But what they do do is golf is absolutely laser-focused in the short and intermediate areas, and they've got Laporta and, and obviously Amon Ross St. Brown, and it's a very difficult thing to stop. So the Niners are going to have to get up on the line of scrimmage and really challenge these guys inside of a 10 to 12 yard box and, and absolutely challenge every throw. Um, and it's going to be difficult to do because Amon Ra is a better individual receiver than any of Green Bay's receivers. He had a monster year that probably put him, should have put him in the, in the pro bowl um, again, but overlooking Detroit lions and their success, it's easy to do. This has been a 
eminently dismissible franchise throughout really the entirety of the franchise's history. But this is a good football team. And I know that there are some people already in the chat saying, oh boy, you know, Damon and Larry are going, the boys who cried wolf two weeks in a row. Are, did we cry wolf on the Green Bay Packers or did you nearly shit your pants as you almost lost a home game to the Green Bay Packers? You yeah, know, I mean, right? seriously, I mean, you know, you can sit there and say we're crying wolf or did we have the best preview of the game <clears throat> whenever when there were other people saying the Niners were going to win by four touchdowns and I said be very, very, very afraid of Green Bay. They have every possibility of rolling into your place and handing you a playoff defeat. How's that looking right now? It's almost like we kind of know what we're talking about. I'm not saying we totally know what we're talking about. But we, <laughs> right, we kind, kind of. of kind of know what we're yeah. talking about. Uh, please hit like, please hit subscribe. If you'd kind of like to support what you're watching, we'd really appreciate it. Memberships available on both channels. This is nothing short of the fastest growing 49er content show out there in the world. So we thank you so much for being here to support Wake Up. It's great to have you here. And just to get back to... Because I just think it's 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 absolutely a fascinating thing to talk about the different style of coaches in this game and how you can get similar results with different styles. Um, and I really think, Larry, to go back to why these locker rooms buy two very different salesmen is because they're authentic. You said yeah, it. That's it. They, they are authentic. Kyle is who he is, and he doesn't pretend to be anyone he isn't. And sometimes that means he is aloof. He is acting a, a touch, I think I'm smarter than you. But he's also got the resumes and credentials to back that up. Dan Campbell, um, I, I remember when he was hired, Ray Ratto nearly fell out of his chair thinking that this was going to be a failure because NFL locker rooms don't buy rah-rah bullshit, and they really don't if all it is is just rah-rah. Campbell's a rah-rah guy, but he's more than that. There's substance to his rah-rah-rahness, and players do feed sometimes off of less intellectual approach and more just straight up grab your hat, let's go hit somebody. And Dan Campbell preaches that. He preaches that. I saw another video this week that goes back to a, a scene from Hard Knocks this year where he was basically saying, guys, I just need you to trust me. I'm going to make you tougher than you've ever been in your entire life. And our practices are going to be hell in order for that to be the outcome. But you got to trust me. I know what I'm doing. I wouldn't do anything that I didn't think was the best thing for you. So while you're sitting here motherfucking me because there's another full pads practice, you need it. We have to change the way we behave in this city of Detroit. And I mean, the, the team was just sitting there and they, they felt like they were ready to hit him in the, in the post-practice scrum. I mean, they were, they were ready to go. They were ready to do another full pads practice when he was done. Larry, you know, I don't know what the average IQ of an NFL locker room is. I think maybe the lowest IQ'd locker room out there might be a baseball clubhouse because you got so many guys just coming out of high school. Like they don't even have a, a college course under their belts. Maybe the the worst red clubhouse is, is a major league clubhouse or an NBA clubhouse. I don't know. You know, no one's there to play school anymore. But what every single locker room that I've ever been in and you've ever been in is really good at is detecting bullshit. 
That's maybe the greatest attribute of professional athletes. They got incredible bullshit detectors. They really do. And they know whether the person coaching them or selling them, whatever the game plan is, or this week's uh, list of priorities is, they, they know whether it's authentic or this is bullshit. This is real or this is not. They have incredible detectors. And if Dan Campbell were bullshit, even a lousy Lions mm-hmm. locker room would have sniffed that out. So, um, well, I mean, there's two, there's two things too. I mean, you know, you win in the NFL when you got great players playing great. I know that sounds super simplistic, but you need one guy to get you great players. And then you need one guy to make them play great. And Dan Campbell will make you play and, and play as hard as you can. And then he's, he's surrounded um, you know, himself with Aaron Glenn, who's a terrific young defensive coordinator. And the offensive coordinator is equally great and going to be a head coach in a matter of a matter of minutes. And and nobody knows Brad Holmes. So let me just tell you about Brad Holmes real quick. He was the he was a Rams director of college scouting from 2013 through 2020. And in that window, the Rams added Aaron Donald, <laughs> LaMarcus Joyner, some really good players, Rob Havenstein, Cooper Cup, Dot, Todd Gurley, Tyler Higby, Jared Goff, which is part of the reason that they were happy to take Goff because Brad Holmes was the guy who originally drafted Goff. He said, I'll take him here. Um, Samson Ebukam, Niner fans remember him. Josh Reynolds, John Johnson. Cooper Cup, as Damon said, not in the first round, Cooper Cup in the third round, Gerald Everett, Sebastian Joseph Day, who who the Niners now have on the defensive line, pretty good football player. Um, you know, something Notaboom, who's hurt right now, but he's a pretty good football player. Taylor Rapp, Daryl Henderson, David Long. They they, you know, um, some good players, some absolutely good players. So Brad Holmes knows talent. They brought in um, some help as, as far as a veteran guy um, to to help him out in the draft because he was new to it. So they've got John Dorsey, who's a, a fantastic um, – he's kind of like a Scott McLuhan at this point. He's a really, really good personnel guy who used to be a general manager who now gets hired basically – you know, uh, it seems like every couple of years by somebody else to be a draft consultant. So they had John Dorsey in the room and they hit, they hit on all these draft picks. And by the way, the most significant off season move in the NFL may have been the Eagles losing Chauncey Gardner Johnson and the lions gaining Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Look at the difference in those two teams, largely due to that one player. So, they they've got you know they got a guy who gets them great players and they got a they got a head coach who gets it out of them and two really talented young coordinators you know that's it they're there they're real so the niners and the niners know they're real well um, they're not going to sneak up on anybody one of the reasons why they're real is because they got instant returns and and, and it's why they're ahead of schedule and the lions you know last year was a step forward this year was supposed to be Another step forward. It's, you know, the playing with an expectation of having a good year was supposed to be the box that was checked by the Lions this year. No one really had the Lions like, yeah, I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Like you were a Lions fan if you were really saying that. 
Well, Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, as you've already said, four players who are among the best players on the team, and they're all rookies. You know, they got instant dividends from the talent that they drafted. And when you do that, it accelerates. It puts on steroids a team's timeline. So um, there's an element of too young to even feel the pressure of the moment. So that should keep them loose and dangerous. And they've also got, you know, a guy like Jared Goff, who has been highly touted, overrated, underrated, appreciated, not appreciated, got to get better with the trade, you know, got to trade you to, to get better. That's a, that's a tough thing for a quarterback of all positions, Larry, to hear. In order for us to get better, we're going to improve not the blocking you receive, not a couple, you know, catchers around you or anything like that. We're going to improve you. We're bringing in a better quarterback than you are. And look, the Rams, they made the right choice. They won a Super Bowl making that move. But the Detroit Lions did not take this big step back. And they got a guy who absolutely could have, you know, kind of sulked or pouted or just gotten that big paycheck and sort of played out the string in, in Detroit. And who really cares? Cause no one's expecting anyone to be good in Detroit. Not ever. And I got a pretty girlfriend fiance and golf's life will be, you know, really good when he has made his fortune in the NFL gets out while he can still walk when he's an old man. And he's going to come back to the Bay area and buy a gorgeous house up in Marin and, and just live a great life. Like it was all set up for easy street No one's going to hold it against you if you don't find success in Detroit, Jared Goff. And look at where he is. Look at where he is. He's coming back to Santa Clara. He's coming back to Northern California where he played his high school and college ball, where he grew up, to try to go to the the Super Bowl with the Detroit Lions. Which, Larry, brings me to the next point I would like to make about what we're all going to be going through this week. Larry, are you ready for the biggest 49er hate week you've ever lived in your entire life? The Lions are America's darling right now. There's no question about it. Get ready for a lot of people um, and everybody and everybody's got the recency bias to sit there and say, you know, Purdy's not him and the Niners aren't it. And they, you know, the Niners frailties as a team were on full display in this last round and Detroit's a great story and America loves a great story. And so, yeah, it's going to be, you know, Lions fans and, and all casual, casual fans, We'll be rooting for the Lions. How about this? The only people rooting for the San Francisco 49ers will be people who identify as 49ers fans. Everybody else. Everybody else is going to be on the Detroit Lions. America, uh, Fox is going to want the Detroit Lions to win this game. CBS, who has the Super Bowl this year, is going to want the Detroit Lions to win this game. And that's absurd, right? Because the 49ers have proven just why the the way that they, they pack opposing stadiums that they're one of the biggest brands in the world of football, but the interest and intrigue and the rarity of the Detroit Lions being in the Super Bowl would be one of the easiest network lead-up sells in the history of, hey, have we got something unique for you to watch on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, you know, though there are a lot of Packer fans that believe that the Niners got that fourth down call in the first half in their favor and that the league wants the Niners in the ultimate game because of the proximity of the Bay area to Vegas and what it will do to that party. And 
Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, you know, I'm sure people can, there's a lot of green Bay fans saying, yeah, I think the, the league wants the Niners, but I think a lot of people would like to see, you you know, week one, wasn't it the lions beating the, the Kansas city chiefs at Arrowhead? Yeah. I I could see them uh, wanting that kind of a, that kind of a rematch, but who cares what the league wants? Uh, you know, I, I don't, it's, this isn't scripted. And the tougher teams are going to wind up in Super Bowl Sunday. I really believe that. I got a, a buddy of mine, the only real Lions fan I've ever met. I've, I know one true, honest to God, like will go to a sports bar no matter how bad of a year they're having to watch the freaking Lions. Like he's the one asshole in the bar going, can you put the Lions game on? Like nobody <laughs> wants to watch that game, buddy. But it, it's it, it, the... I, I, I remember the very first week of this football season texting him. I'm like, I'm I'm not ripping you, Tommy. This isn't meant to be like a disparaging comment. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the biggest win for the Detroit Lions in your lifetime. Like, this is supposed to be a year where maybe something could happen. And they just went into Arrowhead and won in week one. Like, is that the biggest win of your entire Detroit Lions lifetime? And he wrote back, yes. Yes, it is. Absolutely, it is. This, you know, <laughs> this is the only day I've ever enjoyed watching the Detroit Lions since Barry Sanders retired. Is one of the things he wrote back, and uh, and so you know, hats off to Dan Campbell and his goofiness and his authentic personality. Come on, these these nuts, <laughs> and and it, this should be a hell of a football game. But I do want to say this. And it's no time to beat your chest if you're a Niner fan or be arrogant about anything. The truth is, Larry, the, the 49ers should beat the shit out of the T- Detroit Lions. They really should. They really should. And it's up to Brock to do it. And you can almost see in some of the pregame stuff that I've already been reading. And again, it's early in the week. The better pregame stuff will come out as the week goes along. But just in all the the kind of first look articles, it feels like the number one thing that the Lions and Lions critics even say that they've got going for them right now is that Brock Purdy just had a bad game. That is among the first sentences you will read of any breakdown of why the Lions can maybe go in and win this game because Brock Purdy didn't play well against the Green Bay Packers. And if that's one of the biggest reasons why the Lions can win this game, it's also one of the biggest reasons why the Lions will lose this game because you can carve up the Detroit Lions. You can also really hit them with a deep ball. And that's what Brock does. I mean, there should be some big fat chunk plays in the 49ers passing game for them to enjoy and matchups for Kyle Shanahan to exploit in every quarter of this upcoming football game on Sunday night. So I uh, l- let me just say, you and I will spend all week long talking about how impressed we are with the Lions, how good we are with the Lions, but I think the, the 49ers win this game. I think the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl, Larry. Well, that's that's great, um, but I'll say this. The Lions' offensive line is probably going to beat the 49er defensive line. So then you're going to have to somehow, you know, you're going to have to somehow uh, win this game while your D-line loses because I, I, I you know, we'll see, but uh, the Niner D-line is good, but I think the Detroit O-line is better. So 
Now, Jonah Jackson, their left guard is hurt. So what does that mean? Is that a, is that a heart? Is that mean Hargrave has a big performance? Um, I thought the Fortnite D line played pretty well at times against Green Bay. It wasn't like Both Jordan had Love better, had all day. They didn't sack Jordan Love, but they they got pressure on him, mostly Bosa. I had a better day than it looked upon first view. You watch yeah. the game again, and you're looking to, for what went wrong on that defensive line, and plenty of things went wrong, but really Bosa was not one of them. But can the Niners defend Amon Ra? Can do they have a do they have a corner that can stay with Amon Ra? I think you I have maybe Ward to shadow him. Yeah, well, I mean, but it can can Ward do it? I mean, Amon Ra caught 119 balls, and he's he will he will turn you into a pretzel. I mean, he's just so his his footwork is so sudden, so explosive. He's he's in lockstep with Goff. So I mean, the Niners D line has to somehow against this awesome O-line, um, interrupt Goff and, and get hands in his face and take away his passing windows. And at the same time, they're going to have to stop David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, and Laporta's a really tough cover. So to me, I mean, that's, you know, number one, number one on the list of things in this game. Can Steve Wilkes' defense slow down a top-five offense that with a dominating offensive line, a dynamic running back combination, a fantastic Kyle Shanahan-like play caller, um, you know they're going to go for it on fourth down. So that that's the big one. And and then um, you know, 49ers are just going to have to be ready for you know for Brian Branch. I think is the best nickel back in the game right now, and he's playing at a really really high level, and that's a very important position. And then Kirby Joseph and um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson are the best, you know, the hardest-hitting safeties. They're the equivalent of Whitner and Goldson from a few years ago. Um, and, um, and Hutchinson's got eight sacks in the last four games. So he's a, he's a difference maker on the defensive end spot. The rest of their defense, I think you can make plays. Like Cam Sutton on their, on the, you know, their corner, the former Pittsburgh Steeler, He's just a guy, Kendall Vilder, um, just a guy that their, their corners are not great, but I do feel good about Brock Purdy because Brock didn't look particularly good, uh, in this last game. I thought the rust was there, but at the end of the day, we're still talking about a quarterback who's 17 and four, three and one in the playoffs. He's been in back-to-back NFC championship games to start his career. And I think he's going to bounce back with a huge game. Now, hopefully the conditions will be a little bit uh, more dry and more true. I think the faster surface could benefit the 49ers over the next couple of days, next couple of games. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel good. I think the Niners are going to play better than they did this week. But um, Detroit's O-line and, you know, Gibbs and Montgomery and Laporta and Amon Ra are probably better than what Green Bay offered. Should be a hell of a game. By the way, speaking of careers started in consecutive championship games, yeah, conference championship games, do you hear that Patrick Mahomes stat? Every single year that Patrick Mahomes has been a uh, starting quarterback, the Kansas City Chiefs have been in the AFC title game. Six years in a row they have been in the AFC title game. That is, that's incredible. That's really incredible when you look at how the modern NFL is built to rob you of your success. 
six straight championship games. Andy, I saw this stat. Let me bring this one up for you. This was, this one grabbed my eye when I saw it. Sunday will be Andy Reid's 11th conference title game as a head coach. He's now been to one more with the Chiefs than he even got to with the Eagles. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? I mean, and it really is something else that Andy Reid, who's been coaching for roughly 74 years in the NFL, has now been to 11 conference title games. And here is Kyle Shanahan sitting in his fifth and he's only been a head coach for seven seasons. Yeah. That's no, I mean, Kansas really City. Kansas City. I mean, and, and if you're Buffalo today, I mean, you held the ball for over 37 minutes. You were plus one in turnovers um, at home, you know, against a, a chief team that, you know, um, doesn't have, uh, you know, great tackles. But still, Mahomes finds a way to win. And the the stat that jumped off the page was Mahomes' rushing stats. He had a 24-yard run. That 24-yard run was a backbreaker. And then Kansas City ran. uh, Isaiah Pacheco ran for six and a half yards a carry. And they couldn't stop Kelsey in the red zone. And then, you know, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Rasheed Rice, these guys just did just enough. Right, they caught the two more balls that they would have dropped in the regular season, and that was enough to get Kansas City over it. And stop me if you've heard this one before, Larry. Wide right by a Buffalo kicker. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Scott oh. Norwood's like, hey man, I got a friend. Yeah, and 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 and, and how about Bu- how about Buffalo with all their all their defensive talent at home? Couldn't couldn't sack Mahomes once. Only got two hits on him all day. Nick Bolton, 13 tackles. My God. I mean, it felt like uh, Allen gripped a little too on that final drive, a couple of bad choices, and just the the pressure of being the Buffalo Bills at some point in time hits the Buffalo Bills square in the face during playoff games. And look, maybe that's something that the Detroit Lions will be battling as well here. There is an extreme historical difference between the 49ers and, and the Lions. I mean, it's it's it couldn't be more and, and and look, just just to make it fair almost, let's just get out of the trophy case because it's unfair to compare the 49ers trophy case to just about any other team in the entire NFL. You know, the only trophy cases that can stand up to the Niners trophy cases are in Dallas and in Pittsburgh. That's it. Everyone else is like, well, wow. New England. That's, that's a nice. A word. And, oh, yes. And New England. Let's let's, let's not forget about them. I it's, still, a newer, the new, it's a newer case, but uh, yeah. Nouveau riche. The Nouveau riche. Sorry. Um, Shanahan earned his seventh playoff win of his career on Saturday night. The Lions have nine playoff wins in franchise history, and they've been playing football in Detroit since 1930. Again, Shanahan, seven playoff wins in his last five seasons with a win over the Lions. He's going to pass Bill Walsh for the best postseason winning percentage in 49ers franchise history. Kyle has always won in any playoff he ever walked into with Jimmy G or anybody. Uh, He's always won at least two playoff games. The Lions have now won two playoff games in the same playoffs for the first time since 1957. I know. I mean, their last win in the NFC Championship or their last appearance in the NFC Championship, I think, was 1957, wasn't it? 
It was actually 1991. In the championship game? The Lions were in the title game with <clears throat> Wayne Fonts in 1991, and they got their doors blown off 41-10 by a team used to be known as the Washington Redskins. Just trying to be historically accurate here. Eric Kramer had an interception and three fumbles that day. He lost two of those fumbles and was so bad that Andre Ware even came into the game. Three turnovers for the Lions, only 11 carries for 44 yards for Barry Sanders because they started throwing the ball too much, trying to chase the scoreboard. And Joe Gibbs had a game plan and the horses to to beat Wayne Fonts that day at RFK Stadium all those wow. years ago. So um, it, it's uh, it's so rare that look, look at it this way. No one that you will talk to today besides a great grandparent can identify with any amount of actual playoff success in the lions, unless they were, you know, they're still celebrating a, a NFC championship game loss from 91. I mean, this is a, if you're, if you're living today, you don't even know what Lions success is. If you're alive right now, certainly if you're watching right now, you have no idea what Lions success is. Maybe if you're listening to the radio, maybe if you're so old, you actually still listen to the radio, you might know that. But Larry, <laughs> anybody who is uh, young and hip enough to be over here on YouTube watching us has no idea what it's like to be a, 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 a happy Lions fan. Like, it doesn't exist. Now, here's a little something that is unique about all of this, too. Larry, do you realize if the Niners beat the Lions on Sunday... Not only are they going to the Super Bowl, but they're going to the Super Bowl having beaten every single team in the NFC that qualified for the playoffs. I don't know how often that has ever happened in football history, that the Super Bowl representative from a conference beat every single team that qualified in their own conference for a postseason. They got wins over the Rams, obviously, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Buccaneers, and the Packers. And if they beat the Lions, they will have beaten every single team in the postseason. So that's that's an impressive, you know, it, it, look, it's been an impressive year of 49ers football. They have been one of the best teams in football all season long. And that's why we have said, I mean, we started this year, you and I, you know, I think we always try to encourage people to stay in the moment and enjoy the ride. Can't just all be about the destination. But we agreed this season for the 49ers begins in the NFC title game. They must be there. So on that By note, the way, on the on the front, really welcome everybody to the football season. It's official now. It's underway. Football season has begun for 49ers fans. By the You're, way, late breaking story here. Yes. Zach Ertz has officially signed this morning with the Detroit Lions. Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network reporting this morning that the 33-year-old Bay Area native Monta Vista High School, Stanford, will play against the Niners. <laughs> Uh, he, he's going to start on the practice squad, but there are plans to elevate him for the NFC championship game. So there you go. Zach Ertz is now the three-time pro bowler. We'll, uh, we'll give Jared Goff one more weapon. So I'm not going to say, uh, too little, too late. When you got talent, when you're a good player, you can make a, a big play and one big play can be the difference in, in a game of this magnitude. That should have happened weeks ago if I was supposed to be afraid of it. Straight up. Like, were you telling me Zach Ertz, who's been feet up 
for months now is going to be that big of a difference for the Lions in six days? Well, you so, never know. He's, I, he's He can't hurt. No. I, I don't think he can hurt. Um, you know, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what he looks like. That's for sure. I mean, um, does that mean Laporta's more dinged up or had some kind of recurrence of knee pain? I don't know. Maybe it could be a good thing. I mean, I'll say this for the Lions. They're not, it's not like they're per, a perfect football team. Um, you know, they lost to the Bears. You know, they lost, they give 28 points to the Bears. You know, they, they lost to the Green Bay Packers. They lost to Seattle. They lost at Baltimore. Um, and they lost in Dallas. So, you know, the Niners smoked Dallas and they lost to Dallas. Now we all know that, you know, how that game went, uh, 20 to 19. But, um, you know, unlike Green Bay, where you just didn't know who was going to get the ball, you know what the Lions are going to do. They're going to hand it to Montgomery. They're going to throw it to Gibbs, and they're going to throw it to Amon Ross St. Brown. Amon Ross St. Brown has led them in receiving like 15 times this year. Uh, Montgomery and Gibbs are their two backs. You know, Goff's been their quarterback all year, and he's playing well, but he's immobile. So, um, you know, there's getting, look getting golf off of his spot or hitting him to Las Vegas. Got to hit him. Got to hit him. Well, you just got to make a move too. I mean, he's, I, I don't want to say he's statuesque, but he is, you know, it's, he's, he's, he's not Bernie Kosar back there, but the, uh, the, the he's not a mover got, though. He's not a mover. He's a, no, you've he's a pocket him. passer with a really good arm and he, you know, what's what's scary about golf is that, and you saw it in the last month of the year, when he wants to, when it's like third and four, he know there's he's in such lockstep with Amon Ra that he just throws it to a spot. So you're really going to have to get your hands up, bat down passes, and you're going to have to get in his windows. Um, and he's, because he's going to, he's going to just, you know, the ball's coming out now. It's not going to be about sacking him as much as, uh, in, you know, getting a hand in his face, knocking passes down, and jumping routes. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see the 49ers defend this team. I think how they go about Sam Laporta defending him or Zach Ertz now on the team, who's ever out there, is where an awful lot of this game gets decided. The middle of the field. You know, Jared Goff is is maybe a little bit more like Alex Smith because, by the way, this is also another way to demonstrate what a brilliant coach Andy Reid is. Like he's just gonna he's just gonna work with the talent that he has. And when he had Alex Smith as his starting quarterback, it was all in the middle of the field. It was everything to tight ends. And I don't think Alex Smith had one touchdown pass to a wide receiver in a season that turned out to be like a decent season. For the Kansas City Chiefs, it was all in the middle, and that's where he was comfortable. Goff is kind of the same way. He wants to be in the middle, Laporta, just comfortable, nice, easy target. Take that away. Make you, got, you got Fred Warner. I mean, yeah. you got a chance to. Fred Warner is Fred Warner. Better be the Sam Laporta stopper, right? No doubt. And 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 the you know you know what what Detroit's going to do. Detroit's going to run the heck out of the ball. Detroit runs the ball. You know, they, they run the ball a lot. They ran for 114 against Tampa. Uh, they're the 11th highest run rate 
over expectation according to an NFL's next gen. By the way, that's stats. not wild. It's not like they ran wild on the Buccaneers. They didn't. No, but but they run the ball with Montgomery between the tackles. Uh, they flip it out in the flat to Jameer Gibbs, who's incredibly dynamic. Um, and you know, Gibb and 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 they throw they've got a tight end who's really an excellent receiver. And one of the toughest cover wide receivers in the game. They got a legit deep threat in Jamison Williams. So, I mean, they're they're a really, really good offense. But I think the Niners offensively can make some real plays against their against their corners. I think it could be a big day for Ayuk. And if Debo can go, I think it could be a big day for for Debo. How do you stop the run? That was a question that we didn't really spend much of the year worrying about because the Niners for the most part stopped the run or at least limited the run you know whenever they had to they just had a monster year the Niners just had a really good football season you don't have a good football season if you're just you know laying down and dying against the run each and every Sunday they didn't why are they laying down and dying against it now it feels like if you get around the outside if you can get to the edge that's how you attack the Niners but they've been getting beat in the middle and Eric Armstead's absence was supposed to explain that away. He comes back and it didn't really improve anything. And maybe that's, you know, hey, Armstead needed at least a game to get back into game shape. I don't know. But why do you think the 49ers have been so beatable on the ground in the last handful of games? Well, in this game, when you watch the film, um, the couple times I saw Logan Ryan come up, he's in the right position, and he just he just didn't strike the running back at all. So... Um, I got to go with Jair Brown over Logan Ryan at safety. That's well, you one. Talk, when we came on the air, you talked about possible lineup changes, and I'm guessing that's first and foremost. Among first them. and foremost, you got to go with Jair Brown. Uh, Logan Ryan is a corner who's inside. He's just passable inside against the run. He, he'll he be there, but <clears throat> he's, he's really not going to starch anybody. So that's number one. Two, you added Hargrave. Hargrave's weakness is, his strength is a as a pass rusher. His weakness is as a run defender. So you took out, you know, a, a, a more of a run run defender tackle, and you replaced him with a, uh, you know, a tackle that or a defensive tackle is much more of a pass rusher. They lost Aziz Al Shair, who was a major part of their run defense a year ago, um, and I think that hurt them. So I, I I think all these things kind of factor in. Emmanuel Mosley was a great run run down corner who was fantastic setting in the edge. Um, they're not quite as good. I mean, I think they can rally and be better than them. And, and then also, I don't think the Niners have ever been uh, this year as good as the numbers say they are against the run. Um, most of the time, their best run defense is their offense taking the opposing team's running game out of the game by, by you know having to play catch up and throw the ball. Teams just stop running on the 49ers because they're behind. Um, and so, I mean, it started in week one against Pittsburgh, and um, the Niners got big leads in a number of games. So, you know, Armstead is better against the run than any of their other defensive tackles. So it's good that he's playing and healthy. But they just got to, you know, they've got to get a bunch of hats on the ball, and I think they got to take Logan Ryan off the field for Jair Brown. It's as simple as that. When you're looking at matchups, to me, there's just there's two matchups, and it kind of goes the same way for both teams. And the winner of this game might be the winner of this matchup. Who has a better day against whom? 
Adrian Hutchinson against Colton McKivitz or Bosa against Penny Sewell? Who's going to have the better day? And the answer to that question is maybe who goes to Las Vegas. You got two of the best players going after two right tackles who are kind of different, right? Sewell might be the best right tackle in football. I don't think McKivitz has been called that by anybody, not even Mrs. McKivitz, you know? So um, Hutchinson is, is a beast. He really is. And Kyle might need to have a little extra help against him. You know, you need to treat him. You, you, McKivitz might need a little help this week, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Kyle, use check. You're going to be one red alert over on the right side. And the ball's going to have to come out fast, you know. Um, I, I think they did a decent job this week of pass protection. I mean, the nice thing about going against Detroit is you can, you know where the, you know, you know where Aiden Hutchinson is. I mean, you can slide your line over towards him, um, and and you know, throw an extra body his way. Um, I don't think Josh Pascal, the former Kentucky defensive end is anything close to Hutchinson. I like Aleem McNeil, but I mean, it. I, I think Hutchinson, I mean, this is why I think Detroit could be a year ahead of their time here is that on all three levels of their defense, they've got some great players, but also they've got some just eh, okay players. Anzalone's a little beat up right now at, at linebacker. Um, at their defensive line outside of Hutchinson is not spectacular. Their their corners are not spectacular. So I mean, there's 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 the Niners should be able to have success offensively in this game, and then it's going to be about you know can can you get a hand in Goff's face? Can you interrupt his rhythm? Can you get in the passing lanes? I mean, you you know who you got to handle here. You got to slide your line towards Hutchinson um, on offense. And on defense, you have to try to take away Amon Ra. You've got to try to get between Goff and Amon Ra. You got to cover Gibbs out of the backfield. You got to cover Laporta, and you got to be you got to gang tackle Montgomery. He's a two hundred and twenty five pound back with power. And don't do the thing that lets the Lions do the thing that they don't do very often. Do not let Jared Goff go over the top on you. Don't lose anybody behind you. I mean, that is the mandate of this entire secondary. Keep it all in front of you. And the lines will let you keep it all in front of you because they just don't throw the deep. The raw data of the matchup, and you already kind of alluded to this, uh, Larry, the 49ers have given uh, have given up the deep ball, I, th- I think, too often throughout the year. The Lions throw the fewest deep balls in the NFL. So they're not looking to stretch the field on you. They're really not. Um, You know, (laughs) you want to say Jared Goff is dink and dunk? Maybe there's an argument there, right? I mean, they just don't stretch the field with deep downfield shots, which means in order to catch the 49ers off guard, you know that they're going to play against their own tendencies. You know that they're dialing up, you know, flea flickers, like whatever it takes. And a flea flicker might really hurt the Niners because you're biting so hard on these runs. Um, the Lions are the are, are, are a classic example of a run-heavy team. You can expect huge doses of that, and it remains a vulnerable attack, a vulnerable attack point against the 49ers. So again, 
Dan Campbell's coming to run the ball 35, 40 times. Make no mistakes. And I don't think that they're going to abandon the run because they really don't have a plan B to make up for, all right, well, we're down. We're, we're down two scores. Jared's got to get it cooking. He's got to start attacking downfield. They don't do that. They don't, well, you, they don't you, you, you gotta you gotta be able to sack Jared Goff too. I mean, I mean, if you look at the look at his game log for the year, they lost to the Bears. The Bears had four sacks. Um, they lost to the Ravens. The Ravens had five sacks. You know, they lost to Seattle. Seattle had multiple sacks. So I mean, when they lost this year, Goff got sacked. So I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sack the quarterback, and Goff will throw picks. He threw two against Dallas. He threw two against Chicago. Uh, he threw three against Chicago in the first matchup. You know, he threw 12 picks this year. He'll he'll throw you some picks. It's not like he doesn't throw any. Um, but you got to hit him. You got to hit him. And, you got you know, he's, he's not mobile, so you know where he's going to be. But he's got a really good arm, and he's in lockstep with his number one receiver. We are uh, just slipping into hour number two. It's great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for tuning in to Wake Up. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, like, subscribe. Memberships available. Toggle that little notify button. That certainly helps. But uh, we have a, a big audience in here right now. Larry, on my side of the room, I'm sure you do too. So um, it is, uh, it's great to have you here. And look, enjoy this week, 49ers fans. And call a 49er fan if you want to find anyone else rooting for the 49ers. Because as we said earlier, all of America, anyone who likes the plucky underdog story is going to be rooting for the Lions. Even though they're not, you know, they, it's their reputation that casts them as the plucky underdog more than the season of football that they just had. They deserve to be in the NFC title game. They've been a fantastic football team, but they don't quite have the firepower to match up with the 49ers if the Niners' firepower is a firing. Now, it didn't fire quite like you wanted it to against the Packers, and whether the weather uh, and the rain had an awful lot to do with that, I, I see it being debated in chat rooms and all over the place. I do think it had a bit to do with it. Jared, or uh, um, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy in the rain is, is a different guy, at least to this point in his career. He is shown to be a different guy than when he's got the right conditions to play in. And when he's got the right conditions to play in, all the 49ers did this year was go out and accumulate the most efficient passing offense in all of football. I saw this from Seth Walder on the ESPN first look kind of preview at this matchup. He asks, what is the Lions' biggest weakness? It's defending the pass. And entering Sunday, the Lions ranked 30th in EPA allowed per opposing dropback. San Francisco's plethora... <laughs> Would you say I had a plethora if I didn't really have a plethora? San Francisco's plethora. You wouldn't tell me I had a plethora, would you, Larry, if I didn't have a plethora? <laughs> uh, of offensive playmakers, San Francisco's plethora of offensive playmakers is going to be a nightmare for Detroit. And while the Lions' offense is also effective, they don't nearly have the same firepower. And Well, I, I don't know about the firepower part of it. I mean, you they have the best receiver. Um, the most unstoppable receiver. And they have a great receiving tight end. They have a running back that can really catch it out of the backfield, and they got a plow horse, and they've got a great line. So what they don't have is they don't have good corners, and I don't know if they can stop the Niners. The Niners have a, have a better defense, and the Niner defense is going to be able at times to stop Detroit. I don't know if Detroit's going to be able to stop the Niners. I mean, 
Uh, Detroit's going to have to hit them hard and hope they the Niners cough up the football. I don't I don't know. I think the Niners should be able to slide the line towards Hutchinson, uh, negate what he brings, and pick on Cam Sutton all day. So By the I, way, I, don't mean, I don't mean to pick on Barry Ford, who is a member over on my channel in our chat right now, saying, Damon, great Russian accent. No, that was not supposed to be Russian. That was supposed to be uh, Mexican. Maybe with a little touch of Russian, because that's where El Wapo was getting his guns. But that is straight up El Wapo, three amigos. That's the plethora reference. So I don't want to confuse anybody. <laughs> Don't yeah, don't confuse people. But yeah, I, I I you know the the big question for me is and you know it's funny Mike Silver's like, yeah, don't say the 49ers don't leak. Adam Schefter's reporting that Debo's 50-50. It's like, where do you get that? You know, I mean, he, where do you get that little nugget? That came from somewhere unless he pulled it out of the ether. But the Niners with and without Debo are a different kind of a presence. Oh, I mean, by the way, who isn't 50-50? I mean, well, come on. That, that, <laughs> to me, that's, that's the most the chance of rain today, 50-50. Oh, so it either is or isn't. Who among – who? what Niner is or isn't going to play in that game, right? Like somebody can get hit. I, I just – that's – it's – here's the deal. 50-50. Kyle Speaks later today will have more concrete data at 3.30 today. He has a presser this afternoon. Well, but the it, Niners average 7.1 yards per play with Debo on the field during the regular season. That number fell to five, seven yards per play when he wasn't on the field. They're Look, not as good without Debo. It, it, if you're 50-50 on the Monday of championship week, you're fucking playing. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? He's going to go. He's going to go. Not playing this game. I, I, I would imagine he's going to go. Of course he's going. Of course he's going. How about this? Even if there were only a 30% chance he was playing, he's going. It's the title game. This is the what question the is. How long is he going to be in the game before jo Chauncey Gardner Johnson's going to hit him hard on that shoulder? And Do then, it. and then, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. But you know, that, that to me, this, this is going to be a absolute bloodbath. Shanahan has talked in the past about, you know, this is a this is a ice bag game. Well, guess what? This is a three ice bag game because this is the hardest hitting team in football outside of the Niners. Well, that's Niners a, and and the Lions will hit you hard. You know, I'm gonna get I'm gonna put the Ravens into that category. And boy, there's some there's some serious licks being thrown around by that Kansas City defense. The Kansas City defense is why they are where they are this year. Yeah, They're not their offense. It's really not Mahomes. That defense is nasty too. Uh, both championships games are going to be incredibly hard hitting. I can't really remember the soft hitting championship game of my lifetime. I didn't get the note on that. So, um, but, well, yeah, but not every team is as physical as this lions team. No, this no, lions team mirrors Dan Campbell and they're hard hitting. And then you see Dre Greenlaw, Dre Greenlaw is a monster hitter. Um, Fred Warner had huge hits. You know, that duo is a tremendous duo for the 49ers and they're kind of a tone setting duo. It's going to be it's going to be war as it should be, as it should be. There, there, nothing should be harder than an NFC championship game to win, except for the game that comes after that, which is the Super Bowl, which we all said Niners got to go there. They're 60 minutes away. I just think on on their own home field. 
which I don't even know. Here's the thing. We just watched a game where their own home field seemed to betray them more than it did the opponent because the Green Bay Packers understood the concept of it's slick out here. Let's wear some cleats. And the Niners felt a little lost on their own home field. So what are the conditions for Sunday? I mean, it's also it's totally ridiculous in Northern California to look for a weather report six days out. Everything around here can change so quickly. But uh, let's see. Let's what see. Is exactly. it, what is it going to look like? When it comes to, and then we have microclimates and all that garbage. Um, let's see, Sunday, 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 Sunday. It's gonna be sunny. Fifty-two between fifty-two of a low and sixty-six high. Perfect weather. The field will be fine. Cloudy with sunshine. They're only the 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 rain this week is coming today. Eighty-five percent. Wednesday, eighty percent. Thursday's dry, Friday's dry, Saturday will be cloudy but dry, Sunday will be partly cloudy, partly sunny. The next rain is not due in until Wednesday. So it should be good. Should be good. That means it's a dry football for Brock Purdy, and that means the 49ers should go to the Super Bowl. I don't mean to make it. I do expect the Niners to bounce back. I do expect Purdy to bounce back. Yes. He he didn't look good in this game, you know, until that final drive. I'll say this though. You take away Kittle's drop on that final drive and on a night where he didn't look good and he seemed to be his feet seemed to be a little locked and his his um, his accuracy, his ball placement seemed to be a little off. Uh, He still found a way when the money was on the table to go seven for seven in the rain, six for seven. No, no, but I mean, if Kittle doesn't drop that ball, he put it right on the hands. He basically goes seven for seven there. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that played near perfection ball when it mattered. And in a lot of ways, Damon, that's very similar to the Cleveland game. Um, he didn't play great in the Cleveland game, especially in that second quarter. There were a couple of footballs that, you know, really were bad. Um, but, um, you know, one pass to Kittle where he Kittle turned inside. He threw it over his outside shoulder. So his accuracy was bothered by the wet ball. But, man, fourth quarter. Here comes Purdy to Debo, Purdy. I mean, Purdy to Ayuk, Purdy to Ayuk on multiple uh, passes, and he locked in and drove his team down the field. So I, I get the feeling that I think these are very even teams. I think this is going to be a hard-hitting game. But what's going to be the difference? I think Brock Purdy is going to make plays against the Lions' pass defense in the fourth quarter, and I think Jared Goff is going to get denied by the Niner Niner pass defense in the fourth quarter. It's got to be a day for this defensive line to reestablish itself. It's just that simple. And it's, it's a tough offensive line to do it against, but rag now again, a little bit banged up. Maybe there's something to be taken advantage of there. Maybe you get Kinlaw and Hargrave to double lean on him and you twist around something. I don't know. Chris Kasurik. You know, I, 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 you were called out in my chat this week, Chris Kasurik. I don't know how much, you had to do with a lack of production from that defensive line, but if it was your fault, can't be your fault again this week. The Niners' secondary will all of a sudden look a whole lot better if this defensive line does what we know it can do. And it's got, it's just, I mean, that's the thing. There is no excuse here. This is not a dress rehearsal. You don't get a second shot at this at another point in time down the season. Here it is. That's the beauty of playoff football. One bad quarter means your day is, your whole season is done. Um, God, and, and, and the lions may be without their starting left guard. We'll find out. Jonah Jackson went down in this game. He's a third round pick. 
They may have to go with their backup guard, which is a guy named Coyote Awasika. Nice job um, on that, by the way. You stuck the landing. Thank you. Uh, he was 6'3", 315-pound player, played at Buffalo, but he's a young player. He hasn't played a lot, um, and he's going to get Hargrave and Armstead inside. So get ready for, uh, you know, buckle your chin, chin strap and get ready. So that, that's, that, that could be advantage 49ers. You know, if Ragnow's not 100%, if Jonah Jackson doesn't go, uh, maybe the Niners have an advantage in the interior. And, and if you, you know, if you want to bother Jared Goff, get pressure in his face. You know, as you said, Damon, he doesn't like to run. The guys had one, one game this year, I think one run all year over 10 yards. He's not going to run. He's, he's, he's back there. He's going to throw it away or he's going to throw it. He's not going to, you know, he's going to take a sack. He's not going to run. He does not run. Running is not part of his game. As we said earlier, there isn't an awful lot of Lions playoff history to go through, but two postseason appearances from the Lions that they've ever had against the 49ers are very memorable postseason games. Now, I don't know how memorable the first one is for anyone in this chat right now because that happened in 1957. But the reason, but the reason why you might have heard about that game is because it is identified as maybe the greatest moment in the last 60 years, like for the Detroit Lions. And it's even longer than 60 years ago now that, I mean, that's like what you used to say 20 years ago. They're like the greatest moment in 60 60- so the Lions beat the 49ers 31-27 in 1957 at Kizar, erasing a 20-point third-quarter deficit. As a matter of fact, I believe that was the playoff game that the historic Frank Reich-led Buffalo Bills comeback against the Houston Oilers trumped. Right? Like, the, the Lions had the biggest comeback in playoff history, and then it was Frank Reich and the Bills against the Houston Oilers and Warren Moon, you know, coming back from even further behind to win a playoff game. Then the other, Larry, should still be fresh in your mind because you were being bounced on your daddy's knee at Candlestick, and this is right in the middle of the dynastic moments of the building of Bill Walsh and Joe Montana's empire. 49ers 24, Lions 23 in 1983. The NFL even ranked it as one of the five best divisional round games of the 20th century. And on a day where backup Lions quarterback Gary Danielson, who is like the announcer on college football, Gary Danielson. Yeah. um, Gary Danielson. Had five interceptions, but he was the backup quarterback. So Gary was staying in the goddamn game. It's like, like if you think Gary's bad, wait and you see who our emergency quarterback is. If our backup's throwing five picks, we're staying with them. That means they had no other option. So Gary Danielson throws five interceptions, but he still drove the Lions into field goal range at the very end of the game. And Eddie Murray missed a game-winning field goal. And Montana despite not having Dwight Clark in that game, went six for six on the ensuing drive and had a 14-yard pass to Freddie Solomon over the middle with 123 left. 49ers win because of that drive, and Eddie Murray misses a huge field goal 
And there you go. Is there something about playoffs? Niners go on to RFK and lose to the uh, to the to the Skins in the That's NFC right. Championship game, a game that had bad calls and fueled the whole 84 uh 15 and 1 season. Yeah, I mean it was that was uh you know, the Niners won it all in 81, 82 was the strike year, 83 they they could have won it all, lost that NFC Championship game, 84 they made no no doubt that they were going to win it all. Right. And they it lost was once all year. And then I mean the, the, there would have been more Super Bowls right there, but then two of the single greatest NFC defensive football teams of all time just happened to be waiting for them in 1985 and in 1986. 85 was the Bears. 86 was the Lawrence Taylor is blowing lines off of hookers' butts. You know, I mean, just... just The Niners out. lost both years to the Giants. Yeah. Lawrence 85, 17-3, I think. 86, 49-3. Uh, whatever it was, maybe I'm confusing those two, but... It was one was 17-3, the other was like 49-3. Joe Montana got knocked out by Jim Burt. Um, yeah, 85. 85 was the year of the bear. I mean, that's that's the thing. People talk about the NFL right now. They hate the greatest run in the NFL. 84 Niners, 85 Bears, 86 Giants, 87 Redskins, 88 Niners, 89 Niners. And then you know, it's right to the triplets. I mean, that's right. The, the, those were all those teams, I think, would beat almost any team of this era. So, all those teams. Larry, is is this because nostalgia is a powerful drug and everything when you're a kid or a teenager is bigger around you when you're adult? Like, have you ever gone back and visited your high school and you can't help but notice, geez, did all these hallways shrink or did I get bigger? Like, everything feels so much bigger when you're a kid, right? Is I don't it, think so. It, I, don't, I mean, I mean, I know what you're saying totally, yeah, I, but I don't, I don't think, think so, either. man. I don't think it is either. And there was literally a rule book that existed back in those days where manly men got to dictate how a football game was played. I mean, all, all, all the offenses all, went backwards against the 85 Bears, right? They, they went backwards. And the 86 Giants. You know, you're talking about LT, but Carl Banks, Pepper Johnson, Gary Reasons, Leonard. I mean, just awesome players all throughout. Phil, you know, Phil Sims. I mean, they, you know, they were, it was a really good, the 86 Giants were really, really good. 87 Redskins were really, really good. And the Niners in the late 80s, you know, potentially could have won three in a row. What that was Montana at his apex with Rice. So I really think that in that early Early nine, early eighties, mid eighties, into the nineties. What you had was everybody in the NFL at that point in time was playing a level of caveman football. I mean, it was club somebody and eat by an open fire. I mean, it was just serious, nasty, fucking football. Where, um, you know, there were nor normal hits that would never draw a flag today would get you arrested. Like they would, they would literally come out and arrest somebody right off a football field in modern football for some of the hits that didn't even draw flags back in the day. And then what you had, especially with the Niners and Bill Walsh was the marriage of that caveman football to true offensive skill and real, real, real talent. And then these teams stayed together and you had continuity. So the, the 49ers that you were facing in 1984 
with basically the same group of guys from 1981, you know, and there were just that you're right. There was continuity. Also, it was the era of the thumper safety. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the Vikings had Joey Browner. The Niners had Ronnie Lott. The Broncos had Steve Atwater. The Bears had Dave Dewerson. I mean, you everybody had that guy, Gary Fensick. Gary everybody Fensick. had that that monster hitter at safety. Now the safety position has evolved where if you can't cover, you can't play. You want to know who one of my favorites was? John Lynch. Oh, oh, oh dude, John, how about, John Chuck, how about Chuck Cecil? Chuck, Chuck Cecil, Cecil? And, and my maybe my single favorite safety of all time was Steve Atwater. I'll tell you, mine was Ronnie, but but you know who was absolutely devastating? David Fulcher. Oh, yeah, Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, yeah, David Fulcher was 235 pounds and hit like a truck, hit like a truck. I'll give you another one, Jeff Fuller. Jeff Fuller, Niner, you know, he, he played on the same team with Ronnie, but Jeff Fuller, thumper, thumper. By the way, Al Kohal says Tim McDonald wasn't bad, certainly. T-Mac, yeah, Merton so Hanks. Think, Merton Lane, but look, Merton Hanks was from a different era. We're talking like well, early 80s. Well, they played together. They played together. I mean, Tim T-Mac and Hanks played together, okay. but Hanks was the free safety and McDonald was the box safety. Um, you know, the Smitty says Brian Dawkins. Yeah, I mean, there were a bunch of hitters. You had thumpers, Rodney Harrison, Jesse Tuggle, G Rod dropping it. Jesse, I haven't thought well, he was of a Jeff linebacker. Tuggle. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sean Tuggle Taylor, Dwight Hicks, and the Hot Licks. Heck, the Niners in '90 or in '89 had Chet Brooks, who had knee problems, but he was another great hitter. Bob Sanders. Yeah, I mean, there was it was a the safety position was a hitter position, even as recently as. Uh, Goldson and Whitner. I mean, those guys were nasty. Um, oh, now sure. it's a cover game. Now yeah. it's now it's it's you know everybody guys who played corner can play safety. But you saw this weekend when you play a corner like Logan Ryan at safety, he comes up and and is there in position to hit Aaron Jones, and Aaron Jones runs right by him. Nothing changed what you needed to be as a safety in football, as much as the evolution of the tight end itself, the tight end changed how the safeties need to go about playing because tight ends were like the big target, the safety blanket in the middle of the field. It was, you know, there to, to be more Mark Bavaro against Ronnie, right. To be anything more than like a possession tight end. Like there wasn't anything more than a possession, right. Tight end. Like you had Mark Bavaro able to, shed some dudes off of him as he lumbered down the field but there wasn't you know there wasn't a vernon there wasn't a brevin jordan right there you know there was nobody who was going 85 yards for the most part there was no they were, Kittle. there was yeah. no matt laporta nobody um, nobody's running four or five i mean you had a no. couple freaks uh johnny mitchell um you know feral edmonds you know, there, there were some big, you know, I mean, I mean, but there were some receivers that almost were like tight ends back right. then. Harold Carmichael. Remember Harold Carmichael was like six, eight wide receiver. Kellen Winslow was the movement receiver or movement tight end of his day for air Corio. Yeah, no doubt. And then I the Niners that, had guys. I mean, Brent Jones to master. And then Dallas had a guy, Jay Novacek, you know, I mean, um, 
but basically the tight end was a was much more of a plotter. Right. Cat and you, and, right. And you could destroy the tight end. And you still can. And that's the thing. That's why this game is going to be not for the meek. Because Ertz, I mean, uh, because uh, Kittle's going to get hit. Ayuk's going to get hit. Kirby Joseph is out there ending guys' careers. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson plays for blood. I mean, he's just, he is in it to just destroy, seek and destroy. So the Niner offensive players, we're going to see, it's not going to be about who starts this game. It's going to be about who's there in the fourth quarter to finish it. Because this thing is going good. There's good, good, you know, it's good for the, for the Niners that there's two weeks off between the NFC championship game and the Super Bowl, because this will be the hardest hitting game of the year. Niners Zach Ertz has signed today with the Detroit Lions, so he gets to learn a playbook this week and goes out there to contribute. What level of game making difference we'll we'll all find out together. But add another branch of interesting to an already not just on paper but on a football field, very interesting football game. These teams, uh, again, are are led by two men who don't have much in common other than the fact they've proven themselves in a very short time to be exemplary NFL head coaches, even though they go about their business in a very different way. I mean, Kyle is ultra cerebral. He's an explainer. Dan Campbell is much more emotional. He's looking to stoke a fire more than it feels like Shanahan stokes a level of intellectual buy-in where Campbell is stoking the fire of emotional buy-in. And to be an emotional buy-in professional coach, I think is a really hard place to be operating from because most of these guys, they ain't here for the rah-rah cheerleader nonsense. Unless they are convinced you are making them better with the way you go about coaching a team, you don't have buy-in. So Campbell, in his very unique style, has total buy-in the same way in an opposite and very unique style Kyle Shanahan is total buy-in from his football team. There is no dissent. There's no dissenting voice coming from either locker room. I mean, you're not going to get a lot of dissenting voices from many 12 and five locker rooms, right? You know, but it's a, uh, it's a fascinating matchup. It's a fascinating matchup. And it's given us, given us an awful lot of interesting stuff to talk about all week long.